Welcome to PBC Talks. If you would like to find out more information, please visit pbc.org.uk. Thank you so much for that warm welcome. So I was here from the age of 9 to 19. That left about four years ago. Uh, I uh, came along to this church, but I had to because my dad was the pastor. Um, but uh, subsequent to that, I, I'm married to just one wife. and uh, Her name is Katie. We have three children who are delightful when they're asleep. That's uh, Naomi, who's 17, Rebecca, who's 15, and Benjamin, who's 13. And uh, it's a brilliant thing just to be here with you today. So we spent seven years church planting in the country of Croatia. Anyone here ever been to Croatia? Gosh, yeah, you've got too much money in your bank balances, haven't you? <laughs> okay. So we, uh, we planted a church in a place called Dubrovnik. And then we spent six years church planting in a place called France. Any French speakers here? Yeah. There's Anthea Warner who taught me French. <laughs> Surprisingly, I can speak fluently. <laughs> and then uh, for the last seven years, been living in the kingdom of um, Croydon in South London. Uh, anyone ever been to Croydon? <laughs> Willingly? <laughs> All righty, uh, enough about me. Um, can I pray with you? In fact, can we expect that God will rock up on the scene of our lives now? Um, I don't know about you, we're going to pray an ancient prayer which says, come Holy Spirit. If you're comfortable with this point, can I invite you just to open up your hands, open up your hearts, uh, raise them towards heaven and say, come Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you fall afresh on this beautiful bunch of people here in Poynton? Would you touch their lives? Would you transform their lives? But today, above all, would you show us Jesus? Would you show us this incredible, wonderful rescuer called Jesus. So Holy Spirit, would you come? Come, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All righty, pointing. Uh, four pictures. Here's picture number one. So we've got a, a miner from Chile. Okay, here's picture number two. We got a football team from Thailand. Here's picture number three. We've got Johnny English. And I hesitate to pick up picture number four, but we have Sheikh Mansour. All right, people. What's the common thread? What's the thing that holds these four pictures all together? What's the theme? That wasn't one of those rhetorical ones, okay? Whoa, who said that? Tell you what, intelligent bunch of people, rescue. Four pictures all about rescue. Picture number one, okay, we've got the rescue of the Chilean miners. Uh, in August 2010, a copper gold mine in the Atacama Desert of Chile collapses. 33 miners are trapped underground until a worldwide Here's that word, rescue operation takes place and brings them safely to the surface some 69 days later. Rescue. Story number two, we've got the Wild Boar football team. They're really unfortunate this afternoon because they're going to Old Trafford. 
the wild boar football team. Uh, in June and July of this year, 12 members of a kids' football team get stuck underground in a cave system in Thailand until a worldwide, here's that word, rescue operation brings them to the surface some 17 days later. What the heck is picture number three? Johnny English. Any fans of Johnny English? All right, 2003 in Johnny English. Our hero goes and rescues the British crown from being nicked by a dastardly Frenchman. In 2011, in Johnny English Reborn, our hero goes, here's that word, rescues the Chinese leader from being killed. And in 2018, in Johnny English Strikes Again, anyone seen it? (coughs) I have. Wouldn't recommend it. Our hero goes, and here's that word, rescues the G12 nations from a cyber attack. Here's picture number four. Sheikh Mansour. Now then, in 1990, when I left, uh, last stepped into the kingdom of Poynton, uh, Manchester City were battling it out with Stockport County and Oldham Athletic to become Manchester's second best team. 18 years later, Abu Dhabi's Dosh rescue City, and today they're nearly as good as Chelsea. <laughs> All right, Poynton. What? <laughs> With a Chelsea reject as their manager. Fair enough. All right, Poynton. You've got one vote, and you've got one vote only, okay? That's all you've got, okay? No one's actually going to be rejecting you today. No one's going to be judging you today, okay? You've got one vote. You've got one vote only. Which is your favourite story of epic rescue on the screen? That's all it is. Just those four. What's your favourite story of epic rescue? Would you please jump on your feet if your favourite story is the story of the Chilean miners? Yes! All right. Should we just have a conversation all the way through? Yeah. yeah. All right, that's good. Story number two. Who likes the wild boar football team? Jump on your feet. Ooh, it's quite mixed, isn't it? All right. Uh, story number three, be honest. Whose favourite story is Johnny English? Come on. Do you know what? Do you know what? My sister-in-law was an extra in that film. All right. There you go. Have a... Grab yourself a seat. Story number four. I I really hesitate to say this. Whose favourite story is um, Sheikh Mansour? (laughs) That's four of you. That's kind of double the attendance you used to get at Main Road. All right. All right. Enough. So... Over the months of September, October, November, I believe that you guys have been hanging out in the Old Testament part of the Bible. Is that right? The first part of the Bible in a series of teaching called The Scarlet Thread. Was that your idea, Robin? Kind of nice, eh? Kind of nice, The Scarlet Thread. Checking out a whole bunch of stuff all to do with Jesus checking out what the Old Testament first part of the Bible tells us about Jesus, checking out Jesus' plan to go rescue the world. There's that word again, rescue. Am I right? Is that what you've been doing? All right. You all know we're on that kind of thread now. All right. Today, guess what? It's all going to be about Jesus again. 
It's all going to be about that word rescue again. In fact, it's all going to be about all that stuff that I've been banging on about already this morning. Today, we're going to be checking out the greatest story of rescue that the world has ever, ever seen. So, if you like your Bibles made out of paper, can you open them up? If you prefer them made by Apple or Samsung or Huawei, could you switch them on? And we're going to turn to Psalm 22. Now, Psalm 22 is a bit of a Bible that talks to us all about Jesus. I'm going old-fashioned. Here we go. Psalm 22. We're going to read verses 1 to 8, then we're going to skip to the Lumar baby and go down to verse 15. Here we go. My God. My God. Why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you don't answer by night, but I find no rest yet. You're enthroned as the Holy One. You're the one Israel praises. In you, our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you, they cried out and were saved. In you, they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm. I'm not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Down to verse 15, my mouth is dried up like a pot's herd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircle me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garments. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Father, I sense that you want to speak to us today. I sense that you want to speak to us by your son. So Jesus, we are open to listen to you and to hear from you, to wonder at you, and to love you just that little bit more. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. So guys, um, today we're going to start way, way back. In fact, we're going to start way, way back at the beginning of time. Way, way, way back at the beginning of time, God decides to get all creative. So one weekend, God's in the garden, and he decides to go and create the mountains and the hills. But that's not enough for our God, because he also creates the oceans and the seas. He makes the flowers and the trees. He makes the birds up in the trees and the fish that swim the seas and even the clouds that float the breeze and all that jazz. And you know what? The world that God went and created is pretty beautiful, isn't it? Cool. You, you live in Poynton. I live in Croydon. Even in Croydon, it's all right. Absolutely stunning. But you know what? The best thing that God created, his favorite thing that he created, was actually human beings. The best thing that God created, his favorite thing that he created, was actually you and me. He actually created you and me beautiful. Why don't you just turn to the person sitting next to you and tell them you are beautiful. Actually, um, 
Is Adrian Hansen here? Where's AD? AD? He created you, mate. Rugged, rugged and handsome. You know, God created you and me in our own image. And in creating us, he actually gave us amazing amounts of freedom. Freedom to choose how to live. Freedom to choose what to do with our life. Freedom to choose Poynton High School over those dodgy schools down in Macclesfield. Yeah? Freedom to choose... Oh, does anyone go there? (laughs) Freedom to choose Friday nights down the acoustic lounge. Oh, yeah, I've read your website. Rather than down the Bulls, Boards, Farmers, Miners, Lee pubs that I used to go to on my Friday nights in the 1980s. And freedom, of course, concerning our relationship with Almighty God. He gave us freedom to relate to him or not. He gave us freedom to worship him or not. He gave us freedom to follow him or simply to turn our back on him. By the way, beautiful wall. And what do we go and do with that freedom? Well, we chose not to relate to God. We chose not to worship God. We chose not to follow God. And we turned our back on him. And when we did that, we simply went and broke God's heart. You and I, we simply broke God's heart. But you know what, Poynton? Despite his broken heart, God chose to go do something absolutely smashing for you and me. Despite his broken heart... God chose to give us a second chance. Despite his broken heart, God chose to give us Jesus. And so Jesus, God's only son, Jesus decided to do something utterly heroic in order to rescue us. Something utterly heroic to make peace between us and God. Jesus chose to leave behind his throne and leave behind his home in heaven where he's worshipped by angels and archangels and other heavenly things. And step down into the mess and the darkness and the rebellion of planet Earth. And when he arrived on planet Earth, Jesus continued on his journey to rescue us by walking a pathway that would lead to the cross, by walking a pathway that would lead to his death, by walking a pathway that would lead to all the stuff that we've been reading about in Psalm 22. So if it's all right with you over the next few minutes, we're going to hang out in those words of Psalm 22 and find out what God is banging on about and what it means when we talk about Jesus being our rescuer. So if you can grab your Bibles, that's really going to be helpful this morning. Because as Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as Jesus Christ, the Saviour of the world, was hanging, was dying on a cross just outside the city of Jerusalem, a whole bunch of stuff began to kick off that went and fulfilled a whole bunch of prophecies that were written down in the pages of the Old Testament. In fact, in total, as Jesus died, 13 separate prophecies were fulfilled, five of which just happened to be in that bit of the Bible that you're staring at now, Psalm 22. Prophecies that talk about the incarnation of Jesus. Big word, incarnation. Talks about Jesus stepping down into our shoes, or Jesus stepping down into our boots, or if you prefer Poynton, Jesus stepping down into our converse high tops to to go be with us, to go hang out with us, but actually, crucially, to rescue us and to save us. Can we check out those prophecies together? Are you happy with that? Are you still with me? All right, good. Because I reckon they're all kind of wrapped up around three separate words. And the first word is the word abandoned. 
The word abandoned. So Psalm 22 kind of kicks off like this in verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? Why are you so far from my cries of anguish? And hundreds of years later, as he was hanging, as he was dying on the cross, Jesus shouts out these words. Eloi, Eloi, lema sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In just four Aramaic words, we discover everything. Everything about the indescribable, the uncontainable, the awesome, the amazing God that we call Jesus. The Jesus who so loved the world. The Jesus who so loved you and me. The Jesus, actually, who so loved your mom and your dad and your grand and your granddad. Who so loved your boss and your enemy. The Jesus who so loved the people that you love to hate and the people that you love to ignore. The Jesus who so loved his creation that he was prepared to step off his throne and step out of his home and step down into the gloom and doom and despair of planet Earth to go be our rescuer. This Jesus was willing to be distant from his father. He was willing to be, worse than that, separated from his father. Worse than that, he was willing to be forsaken by his father. Worse than that, he was willing to be abandoned by almighty God, his father. Jesus was willing to be alone. This Jesus, this incarnate God, the God who stepped down into my shoes and stepped down into your shoes to go and rescue us. My goodness, people. Pretty awesome God, hey? Are you with me? Pretty awesome God. So there's the first word, abandon. The second word is this. Also beginning with A, but they're not all going to, because I don't like that. Um, abused. Abused. Jesus was abandoned in order to be our rescuer. Jesus was abused in order to be our rescuer. Can you check out Psalm 22, verses 7 to 8? It says this. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. But hundreds of years later, as Jesus lay hanging, as Jesus lay dying on the cross, unbelievably, those exact same words get spoken about him. Check out Matthew 27. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him. Well, check out Psalm 22, verse 18. It says this. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. Or check out Matthew 27, hundreds of years later, as Jesus is hanging on the cross, as Jesus is dying on the cross, they say these words about Jesus when they had crucified Jesus. They divided up his clothes by casting lots. You couldn't make this stuff up, could you? Guys, this is Jesus. I don't know if you've ever encountered Jesus, but this is Jesus. This is the real Jesus. This is Jesus, the Son of God. This is Jesus, the Savior of the world. This is Jesus, the incredible Jesus, being mocked and being insulted and being spat at and being beaten and being stripped naked and being humiliated and being nailed and being crucified and being killed and being abused. All because of love. 
All because he loves you. Do you know that? All because he loves you. Because this Jesus loves you. That Jesus on that beautiful cross up there, I don't know who did that, but that is awesome. The Jesus of that cross. Oh, I'm falling over. Absolutely loves you. The unbelievable, indescribable, uncontainable, awesome, amazing God that we get to call Jesus chose to step down into our shoes to go be our rescuer. Guys, don't you think we got a pretty awesome God? Yes. Yeah? So there's the second word, abuse. First word, Jesus was willing to be abandoned, abandoned by God, separate from God in order to be our rescuer. Second word, Jesus was prepared to be abused, humiliated, dumped on by human beings, by you and me, in order to be our rescuer. Oh my goodness, how much he loves me. Here's word number three, it's a little bit better. Here's the word, hope. Check out those words there, Psalm 22, verse 24. In fact, you sound like you're getting lethargic. Read them with me. Here we go. That's really confused people on the internet. There's no microphone picking you up. All right. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He's not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. Guys, on that cross, as Jesus was hanging, as Jesus was dying, Jesus took all the bad stuff of the world. Now, that's your bad stuff, and and that's my bad stuff, and that's your parents' bad stuff, and by heck, they've done a lot of bad stuff. And your kids' bad stuff. Jesus took all that bad stuff, all that anger, all that rebellion, all that hatred, all that indifference, all those lies, all that greed. Jesus took all our stuff and he went and died with them on the cross. And as he was buried in the ground, as he was buried in the tomb, so all our bad stuff was buried with him forever. But you know what? That wasn't the end of the story. was it, heck? Because two days later, on the greatest day in the history of the whole wide world, in the most awesome event that has ever rocked planet Earth, on that first ever Easter Sunday morning, Jesus came bursting out of the tomb alive. Yeah! Praise God! Awesome. On that first ever Easter Sunday morning, Jesus was raised from the dead with an amazing promise. An unbelievable promise that today, if you and I dare to believe in him, that today, if you and I dare to follow him, if today you and I dare to put our trust in him, then today you and I will be saved. We will have peace with God that will never, ever end. We'll have a relationship with God that will never, ever end. We will have a life with God that will never, ever end. Guys, does it get any better than that? Why? Well, actually, because Psalm 22, verse 24 got fulfilled. Why? Because God chose not to despise or scorn the suffering of Jesus. Why? Because God chose not to hide his face from Jesus. Why? Because God even listened to Jesus' cry for help. Why? Because the indescribable, the uncontainable, the awesome, the amazing God that we get to call Jesus chose to become incarnate, chose to step into your shoes and mine to be our rescuer. Guys, we've got a pretty awesome God, haven't we? We've got a pretty awesome God. Gosh, 
You've got guys who've been to Costa Coffee who are trying to get into the building. How awesome is that? How awesome to be on a high street. All right. Here's the third word, is hope. Jesus was our rescuer because he chose to be abandoned from God. Jesus chose to be our rescuer because he chose to be abused by human beings. Jesus chose to be our rescuer to offer us unbelievable hope. All right. So what have we got? Well, I hope that you've got that we're talking about Jesus today. Yeah? And I hope you've got that we're talking about Jesus being incarnate, that he stepped down into our shoes. Now, here's the thing. I actually don't know much about you. Uh, And actually, I don't know much about you because it's been 28 years since I was a proper northern lad. And for the last 28 years, I've been a proper southern Jesse. (laughs) So I don't really know about you, but but if I did... Do you know what I'd do? I'd try and convince you to go and do something about this Jesus. I would really, 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 really try and get you to do something about this Jesus. Because I, if, if, if I knew, if I knew that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the living Son of God, rated me enough to leave behind his throne and leave behind his home in heaven because of me, and if I knew that Jesus rated me enough to become incarnate and to step down into my shoes, and if I knew that Jesus rated me enough to allow himself to be abandoned, can you imagine that, from his Father, from his God, and because if I knew that Jesus rated me enough to allow himself to actually be abused and whipped and spat on and beaten and crucified by those people that he had created, because if I knew that Jesus rated me enough to walk to a cross and actually die in my place. Because if I knew that Jesus rated me enough to love me and care for me and actually plan a future for me, because if I knew that Jesus would go do absolutely anything to go rescue me, if I knew all that, then I'd sure go bust a gut. And in the last 28 years, I've got a lot of those. I'd sure go bust a gut to know this Jesus and to love this Jesus and to follow this Jesus and to serve this Jesus and then go make this Jesus famous. Because today, guys, this Jesus, this Jesus of the Old Testament, this Jesus of the Scarlet Thread, this Jesus of Psalm 22, this Jesus, this incarnate, this indescribable, this uncontainable, this awesome, this epic This amazing Jesus, this Jesus wants to be your friend. you know that? He wants to be your friend. This Jesus, he wants to be your rescuer. The renowned theologian by the name of Mr. Will I Am, (laughs) he says these words, Mr. Drummer, you could be the greatest. You're the youth leader, aren't you? What's your name? Jay. Jay, you, you could be the best. Could be. <laughs> Robin, you could be the King Kong banging on your chest. All right? He probably says it a bit more like this. You could be the greatest and you could be the best. And you could be the King Kong banging on your chest. But with apologies to um, any English teachers present for the double negative I'm about to put in this next sentence. Uh, You could be the greatest and you could be the best and you could be the King Kong banging on your chest, but you ain't going to be nothing. You ain't going to be nothing unless you do something about Jesus. 
Because without saying yes to Jesus, you don't get to heaven. And without saying yes to Jesus, you don't get rescued. And without saying yes to Jesus, you don't get salvation. And without saying yes to Jesus, you don't get satisfaction and hope and joy in life. Without Jesus, you don't get nothing. Are you with me? Without Jesus, this life is all very pointless. So here's my question to you, Poynton. Are you doing something about Jesus? Now, I'm guessing that there might be some people here today who've actually been coming along to this church for years and years and years and years and years. And actually, um, actually, you've actually never done anything about Jesus. You've actually done nothing about having an intimate relationship with this King of Kings, this Lord of Lords, this incarnate Jesus who stepped off out of home and throne in order to save you. Or, or maybe you've come along to, you, you do Alpha courses here? Maybe you've, you've, you've you come along to an Alpha course and you got near to Jesus, but you actually never made that decision actually to step out and say, I want to follow him. I've done enough, I've heard about Jesus, I know about Jesus, but I've never actually taken the risk to actually step out and say, I've got to put this Jesus first. Or maybe you're here for the very first time like Mr. Costa Coffee Man who tried to get in. And you're hearing about this Jesus and thinking, oh, there's something missing in my life. There's something desperately missing. I need this God. I need, I've got this spiritual vacuum, this spiritual hole. Guys, if you have never done something about Jesus, if you've never actually in your life, and you will only know this, um, people next to you might be surprised, but, but if you've never ever said yes to Jesus, can I invite you to do that today? Can I invite you to do that? You'll never regret it. I've never regretted it. I got baptized on the same day as David. Wait, where's David? 2nd of December 1984, here, or here, where is it, here, there. I have not regretted it. I've never regretted it. In fact, it's fabulous, it's given me hope, it's given me peace, it's given me life, it's given me purpose, it's given me destiny. I've never regretted it. If you've never, ever, ever said yes to Jesus, can I invite you to do that right now and do it today? But there's also perhaps a whole bunch of people who drifted away from Jesus. We do church, but we don't actually really come alive with Jesus. It's a long time since we've talked to Jesus. It's a long time since we've read about Jesus. And actually, our life has become like a desert. We've become dry. We've walked away from the essential. We've walked away from our God. Do you know what I'm saying? Is there anyone here who's in that situation today? You know what I love about this church as I was growing up is that it's not a judging kind of church, is it? People don't get judged here. People get loved here, don't they? Yeah. People get loved here. People get loved here. So it doesn't matter if you respond to Jesus because I expect that Jesus is here today. I expect that the Holy Spirit is here today and I expect that he wants to bring salvation here today. But there's a little step that we've got to do and that's the step of saying yes. And I expect there are people here whose lives are dried up and it's shriveled up and emotionally you've walked away from your God and I expect that God is here saying, release, release, break down the wall of the dam, let the water come flooding back in and the flood is called Jesus. Are you with me here? We're going to invite our, our band to come back. And can I invite you to stand up? Now, I don't know how comfortable you are with doing this, but I know that in the Bible, when Jesus, 
when Jesus called people to follow him, what did he do? He didn't get them to write on a piece of paper and drop it into a box at the back of the church. He actually got them to come up and step out and stand up and say, I want to follow this Jesus. So as we sing today, I'm going to invite you to do that. Now, that may feel unnatural and awkward for you, but it's kind of important because a public step is one that you can't take away so easily. So if you know that God is moving in your life today, if God is touching your life, if there's an emptiness, if there's a hole, and you need that filling by Jesus, can I invite you just simply to come and stand at the sides, stand the front as we sing? I think our prayer team, our leadership team, we're going to come and pray with you and stand with you. If you know that you need God and you, you, you haven't got this God in your life, can I invite you just to simply come and stand at the front and give your life over, take this opportunity. We're going to pray together. And if you're comfortable with this, just pray this prayer just quietly in your heart as you begin to make your decision to follow Jesus. So it goes like this. Jesus, my life isn't going as it should. And there is a hole. And I can't believe that you would be willing to be abandoned for me. And I can't believe that you would be willing to be abused for me. And I can't believe that you would want to offer me hope. But you are, and I believe it. So would you come rushing into my life? Today I'm saying yes to you. Today I'm saying yes to Jesus. Today I'm laying it all aside to follow you. I want you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. Oh, how I need you, Jesus. Guys, if Jesus is calling you, can I invite you simply just to step out as we sing? listening to this week's talk. Join us next week for another inspirational message.